Hey everyone, hey and welcome back to yet another episode of Alf Metallica. This is the 141st episode of the main run of the show. Obviously, you know, over here at Alf Metallica, we do various things. We do concert reviews and top tens and interviewing uh, Cliff Burton's father and such. So, you know, go back into the archive. The show's been going for a long time, though, more than two years, which is kind of baffling to me how many fucking things there are of these. And, uh, yeah, subscribe to the channel on YouTube, on iTunes, wherever you listen. Patreon is there if you enjoy the show, you want to give back you want to support rss feed is there all the content that i'm working on i'm working on a new episode at the moment that'll be on the patreon soon where uh myself and a guest are going to review the metal massacre compilation that metallica were on originally with uh, hit the lights where they were misspelled if you remember as the 10th track and uh yeah just go through all the bands on there i don't know who the fuck they are but i'm sure there'll be some uh, interesting music so uh yeah patreon is there we're on spotify all that regular stuff as we reach the end of the run you know, one of the nice things, one of the nice things throughout the show, really, and I've done this quite a lot, is is to have the repeat guests. I think in the 141 episodes, I put this on Twitter recently, uh, at MetallicaPod, I think I've had about 101 guests. So, you know, there's been about 40 repeats, 20 repeats, whatever you want to categorize that, you know, some more than others. And uh, today is no different. I called him, in a good way, a kind of Metallica meme fan uh, in our Nothing Else Matters episode because, you know, Danny Derryberry will know perhaps as the uh, as the foppish wit that Clint will adorn if ever he gets mentioned in the email. It's kind of a, it's kind of a niche MUYP cut, but I know you guys lo- love the show and listen as much as I do. So uh, great to have him back. Danny, how's it going? Going great, Tom. Thanks for having me. So if I remember correctly, you were getting into Metallica like around the Justice era, right? That kind of time, like one and stuff? That's where I became familiar with, with you know, at least some of their material. But it really, it was the Black Album. Uh, when Sandman hit, uh, that that's when it blew up for a lot of people in my age group, you know. It's interesting, isn't it, going back to the Black Album, which of course today's track comes from through the Never the Seventh uh, song on this incredible album like an album that obviously i've always loved but every time we do an episode i find myself raving about the track and today is no different i love through there and in terms of categorization danny it's interesting isn't it so we've got 12 tracks on the black album let's exclude all of the you know the big singles the enter sandman sad but true wherever nothing else matters and sure. um, you know you know that sort of stuff the unforgiven as well those kind of have a certain feel to them maybe it's just because they were the singles and they just feel different you know as a result of that in retrospect but they feel a little bit more grander compositionally you know the the sound of breaking new kind of more mainstream territories but outside of that there are these songs on the black album like holier than now like don't tread on me you know like the struggle within like through the never the they have this interesting they're this interesting connective tissue aren't they between justice and the black album they're thrashier they've got more of a, a snarl to them you know i think there's a lot of justice on this track especially uh through the never like you know what, what, what do you make of that the band you know they still really had one foot in the past in the best possible way yeah i think so uh i think uh this this tune in particular uh where you know, the opening riff obviously, you know, really fast. Uh, mm. The groove that it finds with with the drum beat when it when it comes in and, and you get into the verse, this is this is groove metal, man. This is yeah. like Pantera level style. Uh, you know, this is it's it's heavy and it's fast, but then you've got this kind of swagger to the beat. I mean, it it really is. It has always reminded me of a Pantera style song where uh, 
you know, you take a band like Slayer and you take a band like ZZ Top and you put them together and you've, you've got this really cool vibe to a metal song. I completely agree. The the pocket that certain elements of the riff inhabit in that intro is, you know, insatiable. So that, that intro riff then, which really is just hanging on that F-sharp chord, it almost feels to me, and again, I don't mean this with an insult, it just has that kind of element to maybe it was, you know time in my life and I was learning a lot of guitar and I was getting into this sort of music but it feels very much like a warm-up exercise like just how repetitive it is like as if to build finger strength and independence and da-da, 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 da-da. you can imagine almost doing it to a metronome but right yeah and it, and it may have been yeah probably probably yeah. soundcheck headfield was just warming those fucking glorious digits up and and, and sure. this and this popped out but from it going from that real you know lion's charge at the start to the stop and then incorporating the different as a da 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 like you know it just becomes such a slick you know it really whips and cracks that riff um the da it has that kind of real nourishing chunk that say that the best metallic has like whom the bell tolls that descending the dung 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 like that that kind of thing it's a real agitated anvil slam uh of an intro and you know, a brilliant moment in the album this intro to through the never you know it is it this is a song i have to be honest this is a song that that grew on me over the years sure. uh, initially when i had the the cassette yeah, so you tape. listened to this in real time pretty much right like, yeah yeah and it was just you know man i was i was 11 10 years old when i got that so uh i wore out the the uh the the single releases on it uh you know and even some of those, like, uh, you know, uh, Rome was not a favorite of mine starting out. A, okay. a lot of this album grew on me over the years, uh, you know, probably, I don't know, maybe even 10 years after it came out, you know, I started going back to some to some things, you know, and, and kind of rediscovered the, the B-sides that maybe I didn't give enough of a chance. I always liked Don't Tread on Me, um, always liked My Friend of Misery. Yep. Those were probably the two B-sides that I liked off of this album uh, initially. And then, you know, just like anything else, Metallica, if you, if you really sit down and give it a listen, uh, you know, you're probably going to wind up falling in love with it. Uh, but Apart, from, uh, apart uh, from Load, I agree, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and apart from St. Anger, you know. Wow, I'm, okay. I mean, I am so. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, I've mentioned that before on the show. I, I've, I've coined it the bounce theory. Like, as a youth, I had very few albums on my iPod, one of which was given by my cousin Peter, who was recently on the St. Anger episode. And it was Bounced by Bon Jovi, a terrible post-9-11 bit of just... Just absolute like redundant inert kind of pop rock, but I love yeah, it. Yeah, just because like, sure. just I just you know what I mean. I grew up with that album in a weird way, like. Well, and you know, I'm sure our friend uh, Clint Wells will deride us both for our Bon Jovi love. But <laughs> dude, I was born in 1980. And when I was a kid, slippery when wet was the shit. Yeah. So I'm not wild even... in the streets. That should have yeah, been a single. Yeah, come on, single. man. <laughs> Richie Sambora is so underrated, and his underrated, uh, his man. guitar solo on "Born to Be My Baby," one of my favorites of the '80s, so good. Yeah, I mean, I do "Wanted Dead or Alive" is probably one of my top five songs all time. It's just, <laughs> just great. It's just it, great. It is great. It is great. <laughs> you know, this song getting into the verses, then. I just love how many guitar ideas 
are crammed into comparatively what's quite a short song, four minutes, three seconds. And the call and response in the verses, like you just so busy. Yeah, I love it. Oh man, wow. Yeah, that descending riff is is. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot to it as well. Like as I always do with these episodes, I like to watch it. Obviously, them doing it live and listen to it, and then maybe watch a few people cover it on YouTube and just play it well. And I was watching this girl earlier. It's got like 800k or something. She was great, and yeah, just really made me notice a lot of the the pull offs in that descent as well. The dinner at the end, which I really really yeah. like, really really groovy throughout the song. Like you saying before, Pantera, like absolutely, like this is you know that great southern kind of idea. But um, I I, I love it. I love it, and it's just pitch dark and plays with rhythms in a primitive way like the main riff is just da 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 like based around the f sharp chord and similarly the chorus da 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 there's no change in pitch there it's just the right. beat yeah. of a war drum underneath Hetfield. And, and you know i think maybe that's why as as i was when i was younger i maybe didn't like it as well yeah. is because it is so simple and it maybe doesn't have the recognizable hooks that I was used to, you know, like I said before, having grown up on Bon Jovi and Motley Crue and Def Leppard, you know, you're not going to find hookier rock no. band than what you had in the 80s. And that's what this album did was was introduce a band that was, you know, fantastic and had this monumental amount of street cred, word of mouth, and, you know, four albums of undeniable classic material, but we're going to package it and we're going to make it more accessible for everyone. And this song just didn't quite have that accessibility that inner Sandman did. Yeah, absolutely. Like I was saying before, there is a classification of songs on the black album that are just kind of this in between waters and, you know, through the never exemplifies that it, it's mostly, you know, above water for me where it does tread a little where it, something that's always weird on me and I've always just thought was a little bit out of place in this is Kurt's guitar in the twisting turning like that's sort of feline mewling in the corner I don't really like it uh, yeah it, I feel like it was a little bit of uh, Kirk's 90s maybe meandering coming through and, and just you know it's clear they were having uh, you know they were having some fun with some things. Obviously we saw that the making of this album wasn't 100% fun, but uh, you know, as far as, as far as what they did in the studio with, with making different sounds with different instruments and things, they got really experimental and had a lot of fun. And I think, you know, that, that kind of took Kirk off into the direction he was going to go for the nineties. That was, uh, you know, not the, uh, not the ripper. You know, he was he was gonna focus more on his on his blues style, which you know is fine. It's it's what it is, but it's not it's not the solo from Fade to Black. You know, no, and that's the thing. It's like everyone's like, oh, it's blues. Kirk on Load Reload is his blues direction. It's like his blues direction was shit, though. You compare him to any blues guy, that's great, and it's like no, his solos are really boring and stullified, and there's no yeah, real yeah. sharpness to no, them. No, I, so I totally agree. I don't know why we should applaud the man for failing in a way like i don't i don't i really don't think he complimented the music that much in load and reload you know and one of the things yeah, we do probably see, not. you know that's quite harsh but the reason i uh, the reason i bring it up is because the solo kind of demonstrates to me certainly you know, a kind of uh, disintegration on kirk's part because it's a very ripping solo at the start 
it's a little meandering for me. I, I don't know. It's a little showy. It doesn't really suggest much. But then towards the end, there's loads of blues boxy stuff, you know, in a certain way. And loads of just kind of wide bends. And you can see the rot setting. Absolutely. Yeah. No, there's, you know, there's, I, I know uh, cause doesn't equal correlation. But I think in this case, we might have a safe bet. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, the solo altogether, what do you think of it? It's solid. You know, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's forgettable for me. Mm. Honestly, uh, you know, it, when I'm listening to it, it's fine. It's, it's not been a track skipper for me in 20 years. I, I, it's, it's fine, but it's not something that like when I listen to the unforgiven, I can't listen to the solo from the unforgiven and not get the feels that that's, a Kirk solo for me. It's one of the this worst. This just, just isn't. No, yeah. it's one of the worst on the Black Album, I think, the solo. I agree. But it's not terrible. No. Don't get me wrong, it's not terrible or anything, but it's just... No, no. You know. But, uh, we, dude, we're in, we're in very rarefied air in the songs we're talking about on this album. And what it stands next to, you know, uh, it it's hard to compare. You know, and as the solo draws to the end as well, there's this quite quite aggressive, deep picking thing that seems to kind of ate the melody. It's kind kind of there. You can sort of hear it. And my problem mainly is, though, it doesn't do its job. It doesn't link to the next movement. And because it kind of ends and there's a dive by out of nowhere. And then we effortlessly slide into the fantastic bridge riff. And kind of every, you forget about everything because the bridge riff is so good and the gang vocals are there and it's a short song and stuff. But uh, I, don't, I don't know if you felt that, but just those little transitions there from Kirk, no good. Not really. And, you know, I, again, I feel like I'm just running this song down. I, I'm really <laughs> no, <it's> like, <laughs> from from my first listen, you know, is is where I'm trying to to talk about it from and and just go back to to when that was and i'm not running the song down at all but i felt like i felt that way about this song altogether. there was a lot of start and stop some of it was effective some of it like you're saying just wasn't it it just didn't you know when you in that first that first intro riff with the and then you come back in that's pretty effective that's, that's pretty awesome but yeah, the end of this solo just is kind of here we are. That that's the feeling I get from it. Okay, yeah. now we're here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's ha- it's ha- it's hackneyed, and you know, to a certain extent, Metallica have kind of gone overkill in the other direction on the later albums, and Death Magnetic and Hardwired are riddled with these little packs passages you know and these little scene changes but um you know here it tries to be subtle but yeah it's uh it's labored as hell but it gives way to that riff that i mentioned before this feels very justice to me this moment best part of the song man yeah uh i told i told clint a while back uh and i can't i cannot remember which metallica tribute band it was we used to have a uh a club out outside of uh, Lawton, Oklahoma here. There's a, there's a big uh, army base and we used to have a, a rock and roll club out outside of town and several Metallica tribute bands came through. And I can't remember which one it is, but one of them uh, broke in, they were playing uh, creeping death. And when they got into the bridge for creeping death, they went from that song to disposable heroes to through the never and then back to uh creeping death 
And it was so it was so cool. They didn't they didn't uh, they didn't stop. They didn't hesitate. They just went from one riff to the really good, really good players. Uh, and uh, it, it was really cool. I wish I could find some footage of. But like I said, I can't even remember. This was 17 years ago, probably. So I, I, I can't even remember that it was battery or it was whiplash or I, I really can't remember. But it was awesome. You know, just the way they flowed like that. And so cool. So uh, we get into this bridge being barked over uh, on through the never out to the edge of forever. The gang vocals here. What do you make of them? Loved it, man. Love it's, it. It's, it's pretty, pretty new for the band. Like they have done it before, but you know, left them and stuff. Sure. Yeah. No, I I loved it. I think it's great. I think I I think it's the best part of the song. I really do. One of the things that I do actually really dig about the song is the subject matter, which is quite densely explored, but it's kind of new ideas from Metallica, very existential, you know, time and space never ending, kind of a confrontation with the abyss and you're through the never like the never is the future that you won't experience or whatever and the quest for meaning and reason and what would what, you root into the work here exactly existential is the is the word that comes to mind you know uh, mm. i could i could get i could go all redneck on you i am from oklahoma by the sure. way uh I could go all redneck on you. Well, I mean, what's that heavy dippy lyrics? You know, it is. It's it's out there, man, and it's uh, it's very uh, just a, a pontification by Metallica that you haven't gotten before. You know, it yeah. r- really tackles some subject matter that was not not something that Metallica fans were used to hearing. No. Completely. I mean, yeah, in so many ways it works with the album, doesn't it? And that overall intent uh, to, to move forward. But yeah, I really like it because it's kind of this, the, the you know, the protagonist is identifying the fact that this quest is impossible because of its infinite nature. All that is, ever, ever was, will ever be, etc. But the pursuit of truth, no matter where it lies as well. And just throughout the... the just packed with these dense poetic images and couplets and you know one of the best sort of lyrics to just read through like it is kind of hippy dippy you can imagine a kind of black light poster as someone ushers it that's right you know i think still pretty successful it it is man Uh, you know limitations of human understanding and the way that the way that those lyrics are placed into the song is 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 so cool you know the limitations of human understanding it mm. that's that's awesome you know you're you're squeezing in a lot of information into a you know pretty simple statement but with some big words and they the way it fits i you know it's kind of like uh i don't know it's kind of like uh, eminem a few years later you know it's like how how do you fit all that into what you just did but they did it you know the song returns pretty much from that moment and becomes straight up predatory as it is i just love the prowl of it um and it it ends quite quickly like you know there's not really another movement from beyond then we just come in for a final rousing goodbye and then you know four minutes three seconds later weirdly we're into the next song that we covered months ago (laughs) nothing else matters yeah and you know that what's funny is for years I would listen to Nothing Else Matters, but right before I would hear Nothing Else Matters, I would have to fast forward my cassette tape to never. So that was always that they just go hand in hand for me, that that never to Nothing Else Matters. It's it's almost part of the song for me. So as we always do, we reach out to you guys at Metallica Pod. Your feedback on the track, please. Uh, Nick says, underrated thrasher, packs a punch, doesn't overstate welcome. 
Chasing Cats 39 says, Not James Hetfield's most inspired lyrics, but great drumming throughout, an epic breakdown part, especially live, 91 to 93, with Lars's kit rising out of the stage and full band BGVs. Um, what do you make of Lars's playing, actually, on this, Danny? No, I, th- I think it's great. I think, you know, just like everything everything else Lars does and every song they have, he, he does his part very well. Uh, did I say every song? Because I didn't mean those ones that came around around 2003 he didn't do a great job there but uh outside of that no i think he did a great job what do you think of this song live yeah i i enjoy it i mean they they still play it i think they played it like a few months ago i think you know it's, it's a it's a regular fixture and i don't know it, it, in metallica's hands again it just becomes alive like there are quite a lot of crowd participation parts in the track of the breakdown and such you know for me uh this is a studio okay. song for me uh I feel like they they just have a tough time finding that groove that you get from the production on the Black Album. Um, even, you know, Binge and Purge, uh, to hear it on that, it just, it, I don't like it. I don't like it live. I, you know, and, and, and it's just one of those things. That's, yeah. that's my ear. That's my opinion. Uh, I just prefer the studio track. They didn't include it in the set list of, of the movie, which – you know, it's another one of those. I'm, I'm sure you're, you're gonna talk about this song soon enough. So I'll leave it in the chamber for you. But uh, you know, they have a tendency to forget putting these uh, fitting or even namesake songs into things where you might expect them. Uh, you know, like Trapped Under Ice. You know, uh, to leave it out when you play Antarctica is just head scratchingly, and they're just like, oh yeah, we forgot that. I wonder if that was the same thing with Through the Narrow. They're like, you know what? We did this whole production. We did everything. We got this thing ready to release. We didn't play Through the Never, guys. I'm <laughs> <Yeah>. just <laughs> curious, man. I don't know. It it seems it seems very uh, questionable that it's not in the movie. I, I don't. Yeah, yeah. It'll be like if in ten years they open like a Cthulhu museum somewhere or a Lovecraft museum and they open it, but don't play any of those songs. <laughs> right. Yeah, and that and they probably will. You know, I'm just gonna at at this point, I'm just gonna assume that that's how they'll do it, just so fans like myself can sit here and be like, why. Why? <laughs> anyway, and, and it's funny you say before about um, you know songs that maybe don't work live, or you know, in your opinion, don't sound right. Recently, just very recently, in the last few months, I've got into the Doobie Brothers quite heavy. And yeah, yeah. Uh, when a fool believes, I think it was their like giant single or whatever, and I love that song. I think it's kind of like a lost hall notes classic even though it's not lost it's very very famous but to me at least but yeah anyway i've listed loads of live versions and it sucks they just can't get the nuance of the tempo right and it just some feels... songs are like that yeah. man they really are but um as always guys we go to you at metallica pod ralph says this one kicks in straight away with some of the more freshier riffing than is present on the rest of the album i dig the lyrics lyrics about man's quest to truly learn what's out there in our almost infinite universe i love the on through the never bit towards the middle with james's layered vocals which is preceded by a tasty hammered solo i've only had the pleasure of seeing this song perform live once in 92 it was actually my first time i saw the band and my first ever concert at this point i enjoy the track more than salmon or the other hits mti says great chorus but the verse is one of the weaker ones on the black album Sava Bloody Podcast says Relentless. Never was into this song much, to be honest. Great opening riff, though, says Bleeding Me. Ken says Love the Bridge. Marcus, I like it, but oftentimes it's skipped over so I can get to Nothing Else Matters like yourself, Danny. And, uh, you know, Kev saying, I can't help but think of Frayed Ends of Sanity. And, you know, there is that Justice DNA 
entwined, you know, through, through the never. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I know maybe you're not overtly keen on this and it's grown on you, but for me, I just, I love hearing the band in this mode. It's kind of, you know, the last gasp of this type of Metallica. I can feel that. Yeah, I I, I get that. I I think for me, the, the one that uh, that hits the hardest as far as representing how what Metallica's coming from on the Black Album is probably holier than thou uh hmm. you know it's 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 pretty thrashy the whole way through uh but yeah no you can't argue that through the never is is just aggressive heavy hard it's 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 everything that 90s metal was was going to be I couldn't put it better myself, really. It really was. Yeah, it's such a uh, distillation of that. And it has been played a lot, as I said before, 233 times. So it was debuted October 12th, 91 in Oakland and last paid March 4th this year, 2019 in Wichita, Kansas. So from what I gather, it was pretty much played in the Black Album tours and then retired. So it was retired from, I think, 93 uh, up until 2009. So 16 years. And that's when it came back in Tampa, October 3rd, 2009. This will be a song that will live forever, do you reckon, in the sets, like occasionally coming out here and there? I think seeing how they've, like you said, how they've how they brought it out of retirement, uh, it's obviously something they love playing or they wouldn't play it, uh, you know, because it's not like they're doing away with Inner Sandman because they're tired of playing it. People want to hear that. This isn't Inner Sandman. This isn't one. This isn't a staple that, you know, you have to hear when you go see Metallica. So if they're still playing it, it's because they enjoy playing it. So yeah, I don't think it's going anywhere. Guys, as we always do, you know, if you want to support the show, you can go onto our Patreon. iTunes is there as well. If you can leave us a review on iTunes, it'd be greatly appreciated. We've got loads of cool stuff coming up on the show in the next month. We've got To Live Is To Die, Today You'll Love Tomorrow The World, the Ramones cover, Too Late Too Late, another Motorhead cover, Trapped Under Ice, Tuesday's Gone, Turn the Page, The Unforgiven, and then The Unforgiven 2 and 3, obviously, as well, finishing with Unnamed Feeling. It's a little bit over a month, but uh, yeah, if you want to get this episode first, go to Patreon, help support us there. For instance, this episode's going up, and I think it's going to be out in like a week or so, so, you know, you get, you get a little preview of Albert Alica, and you help support the show, keep the show afloat and all that good stuff. But yeah, I really appreciate you guys. Thanks for subscribing. Danny, I guess, what about yourself? Any Anything you'd like to promote? Well, the last time I was on, I, I talked about, you know, trying to come up with a podcast. I... I'm still in the in the beginning stages of it. I'm so busy right now. Uh, being self-employed doesn't afford you much time. I've actually been answering emails while we've been talking. So if I sound a little out of sorts in this, I apologize. But I've got customers coming at me uh, nonstop today, it seems like. So uh, hopefully we've got a name. It's Can I get that on vinyl? Uh, we're, uh, basically what I'm going to do is whoever I'm, I'm speaking with on any given episode, if they, if they have an album that they want to cover, then they tell me what that is. I'll try to find it on vinyl, listen to it on, because I've, I, the, the only stuff I've ever listened to on vinyl is, is really old stuff. Uh, Boston and uh, Zeppelin, things oh, like. Yo, Boston are the greatest man. Boston, Boston yeah, is so underrated. Well, to me, that's that's what needs to be on vinyl. And the '90s sound really, I don't think it lends itself to vinyl well. So that's what we're going to try and find out. Is you know somebody says, "Hey, I've got Follow the Leader on vinyl, and I I, I want to do a show on it." 
Well, I'd be really interested in that because I don't think corn would sound very good on vinyl, but I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. And so that's that's what we're that's what we're trying to put together right now, me and, and a couple. Of- okay, man, that sounds great. That sounds really cool. You don't have to keep me updated on that, and we'll put that out and promote that. But, um, yeah, guys, as I say, always thank you for listening, and um, go check out the old episodes, the old chat with Danny, all that good stuff. This has been Through the Never. Let us know what you think about Through the Never metallicapod.gmail.com if you want to come on the show and discuss something obviously we've sort of done all the songs now but if you want to discuss a concert or anything like that or a top 10 and just have some ideas you want to throw around get in touch with me there metallicapod.gmail.com Danny thank you again sir Tom thank you it's always a pleasure 